Welcome to the Women Who Code podcast. If you read people's books, if you read their tweets, if you, you know, watch the videos they watch, if they recommend books and you watch it, I guess they are sort of indirectly mentoring you. And I do that a lot so that you're learning from people, even though you might not actually have access to them. It's time for Women Who Code Conversations, a segment to hear from top technology professionals sitting down with a Women Who Code member to discuss real world experiences in the industry, what they've learned over the course of their career and what they think is coming next for tech. I am super excited to be actually speaking to Moyen. I think I would say I'm a fan. So I follow I follow Moyen on Twitter and also on Instagram. I like her work. I like what you're doing for the community too. And I will just pass it over and say, please, Moyen, introduce yourself and tell us about tell us about your journey. Thank you. Um, thanks for the warm intro. My name is Moyolua, but Moyen um, for short. Um, I'm a senior software engineer at Twitter focused on Android development. I'm also a Google developer expert for Android. So you did mention right now, actually, you're working for Twitter. Uh, that's pretty cool. So can you, talk, can you talk about your path to Google developer expert and why did you decide to apply? Okay. Um, well, I studied computer science in university. Um, and then after that, because I had already been doing a bit of programming in Android, I was able to get a job, my first Android developer job in 2015, straight out of college. Um, and um, after that, I worked at another place um, called Zola Electric, and I worked with another GDE who was my manager, Anise Davis. Um, and she was a GDE at the time, I wasn't. And I'm a huge copycat, <laughs> so um, I think, there are a lot of reasons, but to be honest, that was one of it because, you know, at the time being a GDE meant that you had access to more people in the community. You had access to Googlers, you had access to resources, um, and you encouraged to give your talk or share your community work with a wide range of audience. Um, and I wanted that. Um, but before that, um, I skipped out a few parts. So I was a founder for the first women technicals community in Nigeria way back in 2013. It used to be called GDG Women there then, and it was supposed to be an arm of the Google developer group to encourage women to get into tech. Um, so I did that while I was in school. And um, when the main organizer left, I stepped up to become an organizer. Um, and that when I left college and moved to Lagos, still in Nigeria, um, I became a lead, a co-organizer for the Google developer group in Lagos. Um, initially, when I started the community work, I did not have enough technical knowledge to give back. Um, although I was doing lots of organization and stuff like that, but I couldn't, I wasn't contributing technically because I literally had nothing to contribute. Um, <laughs> but what I found was that um, the people, so it was a community of students. They were young, they were hungry, they were eager to give back. Um, they had a bit of resources from Google to, to support that. And um, they were very free with sharing everything they knew. Um, they shared all their knowledge for free. They organized free events. That was where I learned how to build Android apps. And I just sort of had it in mind that like, maybe one day in the future when I know enough to give back, I would start because it just seemed really cool that, you know, these people were giving out all this information for free and literally changing lives. I mean, right uh, now, you know, you know a lot and you're giving back, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So when I moved to Lagos, I think in 2015, I, I took the Udacity Nano degree. Um, there I learned how to build Android watches. I think I wrote a bunch of articles or created some open source code. Um, and then I, there was the Firebase ML library. I forget what it's called. The Mobile Vision API um, way back mm -hmm. in 2016. Um, that was very interesting to me because I knew nothing about ML, but it was just fascinating to use a library to build interesting stuff. So I wrote a lot of articles about that. That got featured in Android Weekly. And that was how I started building my technical contributions. Um, and then one thing people don't know is I applied twice to become a GDE. I applied in 2017 and didn't make it past the first interview. Oh. Um, but yeah, I just thought like if you know if you are really a GDE, then you should actually love contributing, and it shouldn't like if it's meant for you, you would eventually get it. So. Um, I knew that even though I did not get the title, I still loved giving back and contributing and giving talks. Um, actually, like the process of taking a very complicated um, subject matter and then learning it and then breaking it down for people. Um, I found that I enjoyed doing that. So I just continued doing what I was doing. And um, in 2019, I got into the GDE apprenticeship program. I think it's now called Road to GDE. Yes. Um, I was mentored by Rebecca Franks, who is now a Googler for yeah. three months um and then after that i applied again and got in got in in 2019. cool i mean that's amazing so i think you've spoken so passionate about the community and to me i just want to ask you why is the community important to you especially and what are some of the challenges that you faced um well like i mentioned earlier um Right from when I was learning how to code, I learned how to code. Um, so the first app I built was actually a J2ME app with Java and NetBeans, if you yes. are old enough to have used NetBeans. <laughs> and ex um, and I Eclipse too. <laughs> yeah, all that. And like I said, I'm a huge copycat. My I saw that my friends built this app and I was just so fascinated by seeing something work on the phone and I got them to teach me how to do it. Uh, and they all they did it for free like we're all students you know we had to pass exams and go to classes but they still took time out to teach me these things um and i just it was i've been a part of the community since day one um and even though like they poured into me when i did not know anything you know free classes free even i think at the time where we were just having a Google branded shirt or something to be proud of. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it was just um, a young, hungry, eager bunch of people to work with. And they were very excited to teach you for free. So I've always known that like, as soon as I know a bit, I would want to be in a position to teach other people too. And then when I started this, we did not really have lots of women speakers. So in, even though I was the head of women technicals, I used to have to go get speakers who are guys to come speak to the women. So it just um, didn't feel right. Um, and I just, you know, sort of thought that like one day instead of organizing, I would also like to speak at this kind of event. So I've always, you know, wanted to give back, even though I did not, even though I thought I did not know enough at the time. Wow, thank you very much for contributing to the community and for being part of the community. I do have another question for you, Moyen. So you've worked at both the tech startup and a big tech company right now, right? How has that yeah. how has that worked at at all these different companies helped you grow as a developer? 
Yeah, um, so I was actually thinking about that. And I feel mm -hmm. like I was in the right, like I worked at the right companies at the right time, like with, this, with the sizes, because um, I'll focus more on the company I was before Twitter. Um, that was a startup were just two Android developers in the entire company and we're serving users of like, we had we had over 10,000 downloads on the app, but it meant, what that meant was that two developers is like, you are the entire team, you have the notifications team, you have the database team, you have the network team, you have the release team because who else is gonna do it? If there's something no wrong, one. <laughs> you're the person who has to roll back the app and, you know, so it just sort of gave me a good overview of what it meant to build an Android app from beginning to the end and being in charge of all these different things. Um, because of course there was no one else to do it. Like you couldn't assign someone else to build your UI while you focused on the network request. Like you had to do everything. Um, and I think it was a good learning experience for me coming up um, because it just sort of gave me a good overview of building Android, a complete Android app end to end and understanding how all the parts fit together. I think things are a bit different from Twitter is the biggest company I've ever been at, but from what I've seen and read, I think things are kind of like the same where you have different teams handling different things and um, you don't actually get to work on like a complete app. You're just responsible for a section of it. Um, and I feel like having the experience of touching everything um, at the previous company kind of helped me understand that even though I'm on a separate team that just works on a tiny portion, I still have the big mental picture of how it all fits together. And sometimes that kind of helps you with like debugging or knowing the right questions to ask, um, knowing where to look for stuff, you know. Um, yeah, so I think that's the major difference between the <laughs> between a startup and a very big company. Actually, that's a very good point because that's what I've done. I think I've worked for startups so far in my life because I've always been scared of joining big companies and also, you know, I, we have to do all the lead coding stuff. <laughs> but other than that, that's a very good concept because you get to work on the entire Android system where you're, you're a notification person, you're the DB person, you're either looking into this other part that, you know, when you're working as compared yeah. to when you're working to the big company, you're just set specifically to work either on the design system or, you know, some other parts of the app. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Thank you for sharing that. No cool. Now, I just want to say again, congrats. I saw your tweet on you being promoted. So you. on your recent promotion, right? How did, how did you set yourself up for success? Please share with your audience how people can work towards those promotions and how did it differ from your other company, the startup that you mentioned? Okay. Um, first of all, thank you. Um, <laughs> I guess it's, I think the process is a bit similar in companies of the same sizes. Um, so first of all, you have to, like Anu mentioned earlier, self-advocacy. Um, it's usually a case where you're like, okay, I think I'm ready to get promoted. I know it's strange, but that's probably how it works. Um, and then you talk to your manager about it. And then sometimes they might agree with you and they'll say, hey, yeah, put together a document. But sometimes they might say like, no, I think you need to work on certain things. Um, and I guess, however, the reply comes, um, mm -hmm. you can work with them. Um, so I remember having a promo conversation probably six months before I got it, or even longer than that. Um, and 
what I did next was that I was lucky that at that point I was about to set my goals. Um, we have ladders at Twitter. And what I did was I, I looked at the ladder for the next level and was like, picked out the things I thought I was not doing well and made those my goals um, for the next six months. Um, because usually to get promoted, you have to have been acting for at that level for a bit. Um, I think that number varies by companies. Um, okay. So I, I picked out a bunch of stuff that I thought wasn't doing well. I set my goals, showed it to my manager, and we agreed that it was a good path. Um, something else that happens when you share your goals, your promo goals with your manager, is that if you're not meeting the standard, let's say um, to become senior, you have to have led a number of projects, for example, um, and you've not led enough. Maybe in that time, they would, if opportunity, if an opportunity comes in on the team and it's like there's a project to be led, you know, they just sort of remember, hey, Moon needs to get promoted. She needs to lead a project. Let's assign this to her to help her hit her goals. Um, and then you just sort of work on that and then like, when you're ready, you get feedback from your colleagues, get feedback from people. Um, and then there's this thing that happens in big companies that did not happen at the startup I was. And, and it's called you know, putting together a promo packet, a promotion packet, where you basically have to write about how amazing you've been in <laughs> 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 the current level you are um, and building a case for why you should get promoted. Nice. And sometimes the manager writes it, sometimes you write it, sometimes the manager reaches out to you to ask for points um, because depending on how many people they manage, they might not have enough visibility into what you do every day, which is why it is important to keep a brag document. So it's just a document with everything you've done because sometimes you might forget, like if you join the company and you're trying to get promoted three years later, you might forget everything you did in the first year. But if you have a document and a good track record of everything you've been doing, then it's easy enough to just you know, refer to that document or even share that document with your manager to let them know what you've been doing and let them see for themselves like why you deserve to get promoted. Um, and then when you do that, um, when the promo packet is complete, then it gets submitted and then fingers crossed for <laughs> a good answer. But at my other company, at the startup I worked, um, I remember having a discussion with my manager too um, but what we did then was interesting. We did like a self-eval kind of thing where we had oh, yeah. a bunch of things that I was, we, there was no formal ladder, but she had a bunch of things that she thought a senior engineer should be. And then I rated myself against those things. And then she rated me against those things. And in some places there was obvious discrepancy like this. <laughs> Uh, like, let's say I rated myself a five and then she put a one and it's like, okay, how can we, although sometimes it might stink, like, oh, why doesn't this person make as amazing as I think I am? Um, yeah. But I think it's just good for alignment and mm -hmm. you can work together to, you know, bring yourself up to the level that they want you to be. And mm -hmm. I think after that, I think she just, had a conversation with a manager. I'm not sure how we went, but I just knew that I got the news that I was promoted. I did not yeah. have to get a promo packet, but we're just two Android developers and she was my manager. So it was a lot easier. Nice. Actually, you spoke about the document that you have, and I do, I do have a follow-up on that document. So do you okay. put all the collaboration you do, sprint work? What exactly do you put in this document? Maybe somebody might be listening today and they might start documenting their stuff. So what exactly do you put in your docu on that document? Um, I think it varies 
from i think it's personal it varies some people have a very like organized brand document they can share with people for me i just post it's like my dump of stuff that I do, so that I don't forget. But I guess ideally you would want to make it a document that you can share with people to let them see all the work you've been doing. Um, one thing I forgot to mention is in companies, I guess maybe, I don't know about startups, but like big companies care a lot about impact. So it's not enough to work on stuff. You also have to show the impact. So I guess after every project or everything you've done, you also have to remember to highlight the impact. So ideally, a brag document would be a document with the projects and the impacts of um, the stuff that you've done. Nice. But for me, in, for me, I use it as a document to just um, as a reference document. Like if I work on a project, I might post, um, I might post the project, I might put a bit of details about it. Mine is not really like it's not fully fleshed. But if I need to, like, I created my promo packet out of that. Like if I need references or I need links to conversations I had or links to tickets or stuff, I know that everything I need is there and there's no chance of me forgetting what I worked on because it's all listed there. Um, Perfect. Yeah. I see a link in the comment. I think, yeah, I was thinking about that link, um, the one with the brand documents. Um, I think it's a really good resource to look at. Amazing. Nice. Thank you very much, Moin, for sharing. And we're not done with you yet, so I have more questions for you. <laughs> you thought we were done? No, we are not. We're just getting started. <laughs> okay. From Nigeria to London, right? How has that transition yeah. been for you? Um, that is a good question. Um, well, some parts of it were very... I moved in interesting circumstances, um, but... The last startup I was, I used to work remotely. So I started working remotely in 2017 before it became a thing in 2020. And I kind of loved it because I just like, you know, doing my work in the ideal coda in the dark room. <laughs> just kidding. Um, but yeah, I got used to working remotely. I understood um, things about communication on Slack, being visible or even more visible when people can't see you in person. So I kind of got used to it because when I moved to London, I had to work remotely because the offices were closed by then. Um, so I moved to London two days before the first lockdown. Uh, so it was like straight into lockdown for three months. Um, but I kind of already had the remote work culture built because I had been doing that for three years before moving. Um, but I had never been to London. But I had been to New York for DreadCon New York, where I gave two talks in 2017. Uh, and I think New York and London, are they kind of have the same vibe. Um, it's lots of people, at least when there are no lockdowns, yeah. uh, it's busy. There's lots of stuff to do. There's like the metro and the underground. So it was kind of easy to map my knowledge um, from one city to another and sort of make it through the first couple of months. Nice. Pretty cool. Hakum, if you could tell some, if you could tell us something, so, so, something to your younger self, what would that be? Um, I guess that would be to not worry too much and, you know, just keep at it because um, it's easy. It's easy for me to get like very worked up about the future. Like what's it going to hold? What's going to happen? Um, Is it yeah. that all of us though? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like 
I'm an overthinker. Um, I think about things too much and it can get to it. Sometimes it actually gets too much. Um, but I feel like right now I've built up a certain, I kind of have understood how I work and the systems and understood that I'm not sure what tomorrow holds, but if I keep this up, like if I keep showing up, if I keep giving my best, if I keep, you know, learning new stuff, it doesn't matter where it goes because things sort of align around this this sort of values and things will turn out okay. And yeah, um, I guess I'll tell my previous self that I turned out amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And I think that's true. I mean, I think actually the first time I saw you, it was through a tweet. And I think it is a, it's a tweet that you did that went famous. And I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. And then I remember that's, that's the time I think I followed you on Twitter. So yeah, keep keep up the good job. That's what I would say. Thank you. And almost to my last question. So would you propose having a mentor early in your career? And do you have one? That is a good question. Um, I find the concept of mentoring very interesting i know that so i've had i've had different people reach out to me to mentor them and personally i kind of prefer like a short fixed them arrangement where if i'm working with someone for like say three months we have goals like we know what we want to get out of that mentorship program we have goals we have a set schedule of when we're meeting and we can follow up like bi-weekly or weekly and check in until we hit those goals um, after the certain period. Um, I know that some people prefer um, just like extended mentorship where, you know, they just latch. No, latch is not the right word. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, They just want to be attached to you. And I I guess it works for some people, but I kind of feel like with that, um, sometimes it might be more difficult to, if there are no clear goals, it might be more difficult to know what to hit. Um, and if you are making progress, uh, but I guess I have lots of people who are my mentors who do not, who don't know it, because sometimes I think um, you might not necessarily need to. Am I wrong? Or you might not necessarily be need to be in contact with someone for you to learn from them. If you read people's books, if you read their tweets, if you you know what the videos they watch, if they recommend books and you watch it, I guess they are sort of indirectly mentoring you, and I do that a lot so that you're learning from people even though you might not actually have access to them but this is not a one-size-fits-all answer i think it works differently for different people but i found that like even with the um, google mentorship programs i've been in the women developers academy the road to gde it's always a specific amount of time either one month three months you um, there's clear set of goals and everyone knows what they want to achieve from it at the end but i guess it works differently for different people yeah, that's a pretty good answer. I feel like that's a that's very true. And I think to me, what I have is more like a prefer kind of like friendship where I can reach out from time to time. So I don't know if that's called mentorship too, but I look if it's also mentorship because I can ask like questions. But yeah, that's yeah. a pretty good answer. And I just want to move away from the tech and just go into your personal life a little bit and ask you a question. I follow you a lot. I actually saw you on a billboard. No, I, I was not in London to see it, but I saw the post on Twitter and I was like, wow, I know Moyen. That's pretty cool. So you're a marathoner, right? Tell us more. Yes, I am. Tell us more, please. Um, and, how can we, <laughs> and also, how can we participate? So what I've been doing is I've been, we have this big park around our area that I've been going with my boys as they ride their bike and then I'm trying to run. To run. So I'm doing like 10K, yeah. like 10,000 steps every day. 
walk into a, like a half marathon. So please tell us more. Um, well, I started running in 2015 um, because I just started at my new job um, and I just wanted a way to move um, because I, was going to, I knew I was going to be sitting all day. Um, I hated it initially. I was very slow. Um, but I guess I just, you know, just applied the mindset of like showing up every day. And it was, apart from running, it was a great way for me to meet people outside of my tech circles because people in the running group, I had a running group and people in that group were like bankers and lawyers. Nobody was in tech. Um, and I guess I would not have made um, fr other friends who were outside of my circle without joining that group. Um, and it sort of got easier over time. Um, mm -hmm. So what you're doing with running is you're working out, exercising your body. You're also um, working on your mental health with or without knowing mm -hmm. it. Because sometimes after I run, you just feel very happy and you can't explain why. And I was in the group with people who had run marathons. And like I said before, I'm a huge copycat. Like, so oh. I was like, okay, I, I, want, I, want, I want to do that too. And I signed up for the first one. It took me almost seven hours to complete it, but I completed it. And I think there's this high when you just finish your run and you're like, even though it felt like you're going to die, it's like, where can I do the next one? <laughs> um, but there's also the thing where you have to like build up to it. Like if you go out and just decide you're going to run a half marathon, you might get yourself injured. So having a plan, um, being consistent, sticking to your schedule, eating well, sleeping well, um, and mm -hmm. gradually I got to improve. And since then I've done eight marathons. Mm -hmm. And for one of the marathons, I actually got a Guinness World Record because it was the virtual, first virtual London Marathon and over 30 something thousand runners ran it virtually. Um, yeah, that was enough to get me a Guinness World Record. You did? Uh, wow, look at that. Well, yeah, it's amazing. No, I think it was just like I was one of the people who, one of the thirty-something thousand people who ran yeah. the largest virtual marathon. Um, Good job. Thank you. Wow, um, I am impressed. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I guess the way running and tech is similar is that it's the community, which is one yeah. thing I found very interesting because you have this amazing set of people who might have gone ahead of you, people who have had the injuries you've had. Or just mm -hmm. people who like want to run and then make friends after. And um, I found that both the tech and running communities have a lot in common. And that's probably why I'm still running today. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Moin. It was amazing hearing from you, sharing, sharing your knowledge with the community, learning from you. And I, I, I don't know if you plan on joining a cooking team because I want to join that too. We could be a copycat. Thank you for listening to the Women Who Code podcast. To find out more about our mission and the work we do across the tech industry, visit our website, womenwhocode.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Women Who Code. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel with hundreds of hours of free educational videos. Just go to youtube.com backslash women who code. Thanks again for listening. And remember to subscribe, rate and comment.